0: and you can get an extra three months free, expressvpn.com slash slash film.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Friday, January 18th, 2019. On today's episode, we're going to continue narrowing down and trying to get to the the, the most anticipated new TV shows of 2019. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Managing Editor Jacob Hall. Hello, hello. Weekend Editor Pat Oman. Hey, that's me. Senior writer, Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And writers, Whitron Bowie. Hey, everyone. And Chris Evangelista. What's up? (laughs) 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 So we're all well-rested from yesterday's discussion. Let's get back into it right now. Jacob. We have 16 on this list
2: now, guys. So what I want to do is I just want to kind of open the floor slightly. Is there anything on this list that you kind of want to throw a shout-out to or – think just we can just delete right away before we begin this final round of deliberations. Like for example, um Swamp Thing coming to DC Universe this May. I know this Oh, wow. I, I thought
1: you were gonna fight for this one. I thought no. you w-
2: no? No, and here's why. Uh even though James Wan is producing, uh Underworlds, Len Wiseman, is directing Swamp Thing. Oh it is a, it is a DC Universe series and we all saw how Titans went. Um Swamp Thing is in for my money the greatest DC comics character of all time and maybe my favorite comic book character ever. Swamp Thing is a horror character who becomes a fantasy character, who becomes a, a superhero and a, fa- and a sci-fi character based on the needs of the writer, and he always is that flexible. He is um, He's evolved in ways that are fascinating. The Alan Moore run on the Swamp Thing from the 80s is my favorite superhero comic, comic book run of all time. Swamp Thing means a great deal to me, uh, and I've been waiting for Swamp Thing to be realized beyond the not-great Wes Craven movie from the 80s. In, in, a, in a way that I find satisfying. And the fact that this is DC Universe, the fact that it's Len Wiseman, I I, I can't get excited. Swamp Thing needs to prove itself to me before I can get yeah. excited about it. You I did realize we need
1: it. nine more shows on this list, Jacob.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay. And I, want, and I don't think Swamp Thing should be one of them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I... I'm, I'm not excited
1: for the for the character but James Wan being involved was what excited if, me.
2: If
3: this were a movie that James Wan were directing, I'd be so excited for this cuz I feel like actually he's the perfect person to make a swamp thing movie, but he's just producing and Len Wiseman sucks and everything <laughs> from the that DC universe so far has looked awful, so yeah, I have a feeling this is not going to be good.
2: Yeah, it breaks my heart to say it by Swamp Thing. I want to delete it from from before we even get to our final deliberations here because it does not belong in Top 25. Yeah, I
0: would say the same thing for Doom Patrol, which is the other DC Universe show that we have on this list. It stars Brendan Fraser, Alan Tudyk, uh, Timothy Dalton, and Diane Guerrero, a couple other people. And it's also set in that same world, and I can't imagine that any of us are excited about it to to fight for it.
2: But maybe I'm wrong.
0: Somebody, some I dare someone
2: to prove me wrong. Right? That now. first teaser is bad. I mean, I've been reading the Doom Patrol comics recently and they're excellent. Uh, and the, the show could be good. But the, the DC Universe element combined with that teaser makes me think we should strike all DC Universe shows from this list immediately and not even consider them. I, yeah, I, I well, believe quite strong.
1: I'm yeah. down for that too. So you want to get rid of Pennyworth? This is the the one <laughs> wait, that is... Wait, wait, wait. No. No.
4: <laughs>
1: I... <laughs> so Pennyworth follows... Bruce Wayne's legendary butler it's a in Alfred Pennyworth um origin story he's a yeah, former British young, you, SAS young. soldier yeah who forms a security company and goes to work for Thomas Wayne uh the billionaire in 1960s London that sounds so cool what are we talking about here <laughs> Chris what are you doing <laughs> no I don't I don't give a shit about
2: Pennyworth
3: oh, I, I will say Pennyworth is not a DC direct show though it's going to be on epics so fair
2: is fair I'm going to delete Pennyworth because this sound is terrible. Who, oh, man. Young I... Alfred who fucks is not a show anyone ever asked for. All right. So so in terms of DC Universe, I think we can cut Swamp Thing, Doom Patrol, and Stargirl because it's DC Universe. And until they get their act together and prove they can make a good show, I, I, I'm not excited for any of them. Okay. All right. Fair enough.
1: Yep. I think we should also cu- uh, cut uh, Top of the Morning. This is the Apple Produced show. It's being uh, it's produced and starring Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon, uh, along with Steve Carell, Billy kudrick uh, and uh, it's an inside look into the lives of people who help America wake up in the morning, exploring the unique challenges faced by the women and men who carry out the daily televised ritual. Um, so I don't know. I I just don't think I have enough faith in what Apple's doing, and it's Apple, just, that's a big question mark. Yeah, you're yeah. right, Peter. And uh, I don't know, it it just it just seems like they're just trying to sign these big names that are like wholesome, connect with like, you know, vanilla, general public, uh, you know, middle America and putting them into a thing that sounds like it would sell to vanilla. Uh, You
4: really don't like the whole Apple family friendly thing, don't you? (laughs) I
3: mean, and, the, and the flavor of vanilla. You really don't like that yeah. either.
1: No, but I, I don't know. This whole thing, everything about this, th- there are some Apple stuff that I am excited about, like Amazing Stories and some other stuff. I like that A24 uh, movie that we talked about yesterday. But this just seems so, yeah, vanilla.
2: Yeah, I think the only person here I want to hear from is Brad because I feel like Brad may have some opinions on this one.
5: I'm not to the point where I want to defend this and like demand it be on the list, but I do think it deserves a little bit more than just being simply discarded like that. I mean, Reese Witherspoon has produced some really great stuff, you know, and a lot of the stuff that she starred in. You know, I, I love Wild, but she also produced Gone Girl. She was an executive producer on Big Little Lies, which she also starred in. Um, she's a producer on Lucy in the Sky, so she knows good content when she sees it. Um and I think Jennifer the stuff that Jennifer Aniston has been doing in recent years has been pretty good for the most part too. And then you know I the idea of Steve Carell working in a morning show capacity, if he <laughs> brings a little bit of that Brick Tamlin from Anchorman energy to it, you know maybe playing a a, a bit of a, a goofball character, I I feel like this could be a, a fun show. But again, there is the big question mark of exactly what Apple's content will be, which which makes me not um. Pull back uh, what would be excitement, and more so just
2: curiosity. Yeah, all the shows in this list are coming to networks that exist, that we know for a fact will exist this year. Will Apple's streaming service actually exist this year? Who knows? I, I feel like for that reason alone, maybe we should consider cutting it.
4: That's a good point. Um, but I am also on Brad's page in that I don't know if I could go so far as just like to cut it immediately just because we don't really know what Apple is going to be doing with it. Because I, I do think the cast and the talent behind it is great. And I, I trust Reese Witherspoon With a Spoon with the, tr- the title she's been choosing lately. But then you're also correct in that. We don't know if it'll you'll it'll, if it'll even be coming out this year.
2: All right, I'm going to bold that for now. Hey, Ben, give me a favor and read the synopsis for Whiskey Cavalier. Yes, I can. It
3: Do we really is. have to read the synopsis for this? Can we just cut it immediately? Yeah, that's, that's exactly uh,
2: what, what yeah, I want. I, I want the people to know at home listening why we're cutting Whiskey Cavalier. Okay, I have <laughs> just, never just, heard just of a this.
5: for Whiskey Cavalier, and you'll understand why we're cutting it.
2: <laughs> I've never heard of this until
0: right now. This is a show that uh, premieres on February twenty-fourth on ABC. It stars it stars uh, Scott Foley and Lauren Cohen, and it's produced by Bill Lawrence, the guy who did Scrubs. Uh, following an emotional breakup, Will Chase, codenamed Whiskey Cavalier, played by Scott Foley, is assigned to work with badass CIA operative Francesca Frankie Trowbridge, codenamed Fiery Tribune, oh, played man. by
1: played by Lauren Cohen. Together they lead an in... Delete, oh, let's remove it. Let's let's just get rid of it. <laughs> Frankie Trowbridge. I don't even, even want to hear the really end of this cool. uh, plot synopsis. Like I'm 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 over it. Uh, <laughs> together, they lead an interagency team of flawed,
0: funny, and heroic spies who periodically save the world and each other while navigating the rocky roads of friendship, romance, and <laughs> ethics <laughs> politics.
2: Goodbye, Mr.
3: Cavalier. Don't look back. That sounds good.
5: All right. Mr. Cavalier also... was the butt of a joke at Comic-Con just because they had a poster on the side of a building, and it's like, wh- why? Why? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I, feel like, I feel like there's another one I have here that you guys aren't going to go for. So I may as well just give it a shout out right now. And that is Wizards. This is a Netflix uh, DreamWorks animated series. It's coming from Guillermo del Toro. This is the third in his Arcadia series. So that follows Troll Hunters and uh, no, uh, the, the one with the aliens on Earth. I don't remember the name of it, but that's the second in the Arcadia series, and this one is gonna have to do with magic, which you know I love uh but this is uh in hero in the heroes of Arcadia join forces in an apocalyptic war for the control of magic and will decide the fate of the entire galaxy um i I really like what Guillermo has been doing with these DreamWorks animated shows like they're really serialized like if if I was a kid watching these, like these would be totally my jam uh troll hunters the world building in that is incredible the design in that like it looks on quality these shows look on quality with the stuff that we're seeing in movie theaters from dreamworks it's it's kind of amazing especially compared side to side by with like stuff that disney's doing with like star wars it's like it it looks like you know one looks like it was drawn by a two-year-old and one looks like it was produced by pixar do you know what i mean um I don't know. I I I I am excited for it, but I don't feel like I'm going to get you guys on board. So I'm fine removing it.
2: No, I me. Mean, I, I'm, I'm I want to hear you out here, Peter, because I don't watch these shows, and I because I feel like they were you know maybe aimed a little younger. But hearing you like them and that Del Toro, you know, is involved. I, I knew he was, but I never actually you know paid close
1: attention. Uh, By the way, he's heavily involved. It's not just like yeah. him signing off. Like he, like I've talked with him. He like is in the writers' room, coming up with the, the, the arc for the whole series. And I know he directed. I think the first couple episodes of Troll Hunters. I'm not sure about the other ones, but um, yeah. Anyways. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the competition on this
2: list, Peter, and I think Wizard has a shot, especially since you're passionate about it. HG, I can hear you have thoughts.
4: <laughs> I'm, I'm like, yeah, um, breathing in every time. But yes, I um haven't seen Guillermo del Toro's uh, Netflix animated series yet. I've been trying, I've been wanting to check them out.
1: By the way, you love really Trollhunters. You would, yeah. Love it.
4: Okay. I, I feel like I would really like them. But I've been really liking what uh, DreamWorks Animation has been doing with uh, Netflix in general. Like they're responsible for uh, She-Ra and the Princesses of Power, which is a great show. And just Netflix has been kind of knocking out of the park when it comes to animated series. Voltron is great. Uh, Dragon Prince I've heard really great things about. Um, And so I think that whatever animated series Netflix is behind and it's – something that's a little bit more serialized and has, like, some more complex storylines, I am down for. So I, I've actually put my vote behind this for the top 25 as well.
2: Yeah, I'm going to bold it because I feel, like, I feel like this deserves some consideration. I don't think we should cut this yet. However, I do think we should cut Snowpiercer because it far as the original showrunner, Scott Erickson, who directed the pilot, has disowned it. TNT has retooled this to the point where all the original creatives are unhappy. Sorry, even, even, even though Snowpiercer is a great movie, it stars the V-Diggs from Hamilton and Spotting. I can't get excited about a, a show that has literally gone – literally eviscerated all the creative talent who were originally making it.
1: Yeah. What do and, you guys think? and plus, I, I would have to learn what channel TNT's on. So, I mean <laughs>
2: – <laughs> Yeah. I mean, for those you who don't know, *Subpiercer* is the uh, Bong Joon-ho post-pocalyptic movie about a train that, control, that contains the only surviving humans on Earth circling the, the, wa- the winter wasteland that is the planet – and a class warfare erupts between the rich people in front of the train and the poor people in the back of the train. The movie's great. Scott Derrickson and Doctor Strange directed the pilot. And TNT abruptly fired the showrunner, changed the directions. And Scott Derrickson pretty much went on Twitter and said, yeah, this I disowned this. I'm no longer involved. Take my name off it because they're changing to the point where it's not something I want to be involved in. Which is damning. For, for someone to say that publicly, I mean, it happens all the time behind the scenes. But for a filmmaker to come out on Twitter and say, yeah, they screwed it up. I'm done with it. That is uh. That is a, a nail on the coffin for me. Yeah, I
0: think
2: so too. I'm with yeah. you on this one. All right. Okay. So before the thing is, we we have um, nine slots left. And I feel like going around again may be a little reductive because then we only have two slots left for discussion. So I just want to go through a few things here and see if there are any obvious ones that we all kind of maybe think will deserve um, a spot. So
1: I have also, one that I'm I'm excited yeah. about, but I'm not sure it's going to make this list. But I I, I Maybe I could pitch it to you guys. Yeah, let's hear it. It's Russian Doll. It's a Netflix show. It's coming out on February 1st, so it's coming out soon. And this is created by Natasha Lyonne and Amy Poehler. And uh, Natasha plays a young woman named Nadia, who is on a journey as a guest of honor at a seemingly inescapable party one night in New York City. Uh, She dies repeatedly while at this party, and she's just trying to figure out what the hell is going on. So this is basically taking the Groundhog Day concept, putting it in a TV show that takes place all at one night at a party in New York City. Uh, To me, I, I, I love this idea because I love the idea of like you know, discovering all the the characters and, you know, almost like in a Westworld-like way, like learning the timelines of what's going on and how she's going to be able to affect that and eventually, I guess, possibly escape this day without dying. Um, However,
5: well, yeah, but it's, uh, it's important to point out, at least from the trailer, um, is that it doesn't all unfold at that one party. Yeah, because, it
1: takes because... place that day, I think.
5: It, well, it go it it goes as long as she lives. Like if she if she dies unexpectedly, then she goes back to that party. Because there's a there's a scene in the trailer where it's like daytime the next day, and she's walking around, and she she falls into something, and then she goes back to the party.
1: Ah, okay.
5: So I've, yeah, I've so not I, seen the trailer. So I, so I think it's a little bit more than than just the party, but. I'm with you when it comes to. I just I like the concept of the Groundhog Day formula in general. When they do something different with it, um, and plus uh, another one of the series creators is Leslie Hedlund who directed Sleeping with Other People, which was one of my favorite movies um, that came out that year. And she's uh, she's very funny, and the fact that Natasha Lyonne, you know, is the lead in this is, is pretty exciting because she's she's always been great, and I feel like following her with a series like this has a,
1: a lot of potential to be fun.
2: Yeah, I'm was going. To, i was hope, I'm glad you pitched this one, Peter, because I think this one belongs in the list, personally. This, is, this seems really promising. Cool.
1: I didn't think you guys were going to be on board for this one, but great.
2: Uh, anyone else want to speak up about this? Say yes or no? Ben, Chris, HT?
4: I'm down for this one. I thought the trailer was really intriguing, and Natasha Leone is really talented. And I've had, I don't know of anything else where she's um, been behind uh, a show as well, like behind the camera. So I, um, I'm down. I like it.
0: All right, Russian... I think she's like one of the best parts of Orange is the New Black, so I'm, I'm definitely interested in this.
2: Okay, Russian Doll. I want to throw out there um, Untitled Picard spinoff for CBS All Access. I think Star Trek Discovery Season 1 was hit and miss, and recently the brain trust behind the new Star Trek shows were throwing D Space Nine under the bus. Even though Deep Space Nine is actually the best Star Trek show, it's not even close. So I, I'm very, very hesitant toward... The people steering the ship, whether or not Star Trek season Star Trek Discovery season two will be up to snuff, whether or not their vision of Star Trek is something I agree with and like. But Patrick Stewart returning as Captain Jean Luc Picard for one last ride after the really, really, real wet fart that was Star Trek Nemesis over over God nearly twenty years ago. Um, I as, as a Trek fan, the greatest Star Trek, this greatest Star Trek captain, one of the greatest sci fi characters of all time, played by an actor who is not who has made very clear that Picard is very close to his heart. It was not a paycheck for him. It was a character that he genuinely loves and has put all his effort into. Even with some shaky people behind the scenes, I think Patrick Stewart coming back to Picard is an event that belongs on his list. But I would like, also I'm the only big diehard Trek fan here. So I want to hear from you guys.
3: I mean, I, I'm not a Trek fan, but this seems like it's a very big deal like that. He would come back to this part and, you know he w- he would be all in on this because it's it's not like he's an actor who like needs the work like he can get work if he if he wants it so the fact that he was willing to come back and do this seems like a very big deal so I would say that alone and your enthusiasm of course guarantees it should be on the list.
1: I'm a huge fan of the next generation and I love Picard. I'm just worried about as you said the the people steering the ship. Um, but uh, I don't know. I I feel like last time around. I subscribed to CBS All Access to get that Star Trek TV series. This time around, I might wait for the first reviews before doing so, but I am excited. Right. Yeah, Anybody, I think it should be on there.
2: All right, like so this, this is a personal choice. This is uh, the same reason I stripped Swamp Thing from this list for personal reasons. Picard is Picard is as important to me as Swamp Thing is important to me. These are like cornerstones of my of my of of things I love. Of things that like inform how I view pop culture and movies and TV. So like I said, I know it's it's a solo choice for me, but I really appreciate the support, and I really, really think it belongs here. So thanks, guys. That's, that's the one I wanted to fight for. All right. Is anyone else looking at this list? Is there anything else that we feel like shouted out that you think should be on this list?
5: Uh, I would like to shout out Catch-22. Um, I'm a big fan of George Clooney as a filmmaker, even though he has had some misses. But Good Night and Good Luck is one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, him tackling Catch-22 – um, I think is kind of a no-brainer, especially when you have a cast that is composed of Christopher Abbott, Kyle Chandler, George Clooney himself, and Hugh Laurie. Um, you know, this is—I I feel like—I don't know—it's like it, it's an iconic story. It's some—it's um, it, yeah. I mean, that's really all that needs to be said. I think it's—it's um, it's a Hulu series, and Hulu has has really stepped up their game um, when it comes to their original content, and I think this is definitely one that we should be paying attention to.
2: Yeah, for those that don't know uh Catch-22 it's it's a very famous anti-war novel and satire and it's, it's the original one's based in World War II. Is this one still based in World War II? Um uh Brad? Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah, I am hesitant cuz George Clooney is so hit and miss behind the camera, but I really this is an 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 incredible novel and I think the
4: original's yeah. actually based in World War I cuz am I not right? Yeah, I think that was the case.
2: I'm looking up ye old Google. But, um, yeah, it, it, the original book by Joseph Heller is one of the finest oh, no, pieces Warburg of American too. literature. So it, it is – I know it's been adapted into a movie before, but I think the movie, like, I've never seen it. I, think, I don't think it's particularly beloved. But, yeah, I am for Catch-22 being on this list. But what do you guys think? We're what? to the point now where I'm not like super
0: passionate about anything that is on this list. So for uh, so at this point, I just like my love for you guys is like anytime anybody's excited about anything, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm excited about that too. Oh
5: <laughs> cute, a puppy. Thanks,
0: see, see this ben.
1: one? This one I'm more excited about the people involved than the actual property. Maybe they can get me excited about this this you know story. It's a great
4: novel. Um, Yeah, yeah, Joseph Heller is just like such a great, phenomenal (laughs) writer. Um, But I do wonder how it'll translate to a TV series. All
2: right, I'm gonna toss that into our 25. Okay, I'm gonna put out one because no one's talked about it yet. I feel like I feel like slash film of all people, should have an opinion on this. And that is Dark Crystal: Age of Resistance. Hey, Brad, can you pull up the cast list and synopsis for this for me?
5: Indeed, I can. But still, okay. Uh, So the sorry, the voice cast. Uh, for this movie that is continuing the uh, Jim Henson production of The Dark Crystal uh, includes Taron Egerton, Anya Taylor-Joy, and Natalie Emmanuel in the lead roles. And the supporting cast includes the likes of Mark Hamill, Mark Strong, Simon Pegg, Natalie Dormer, Gugu Mbatha-Raw, Eddie Izzard, Helena Bonham Carter, and much more. And they are using updated uh, puppet technology to bring to life the characters from Dark Crystal. Um, the, this has a lot of uh, big production value to it. It's tapping into the nostalgia um, of the 19, original 1982 movie. So it has a lot going for it in that regards. Um, for me personally, this isn't one that I'm super pumped for because I didn't grow up on the Dark Crystal. It wasn't a movie that was really on my radar when I was a kid, so I don't have any uh, love for it just uh, from a nostalgia standpoint. But I, I do like the the fantasy look of it, and I I feel like the fact that they're staying so true to you know the the look of the original movie uh, as they tell a different story that is uh, set before uh, Dark Crystal is is an interesting concept. So that's that's my two cents on it.
1: I am uh, more of a labyrinth person than a Dark Crystal person, but I am a huge fan of Henson and everything that they are doing. Um, I I know that in recent years they've done a lot of stuff where they're doing um, digital puppetry, which involves basically uh, someone using a thing that looks like a puppet to like mouth words and then in a computer – it like actually puppets a uh, CGI creation, and they're doing this in a lot of like kid shows. So probably not a lot of stuff we've that you guys have seen. But I'm a lot less interested in that, and a lot more interested in practical puppets. And it excites me that we're actually going to get practical pu- practical puppets again. We don't get that in many productions I, w- I would say there's probably like a couple productions each year in all of film and television that use practical puppets and if they're using those in a big way because i know they're saying that they're using that in combined with uh uh cutting edge visual effects which makes me think that they're going to also have some of those cgi puppets um but i'm excited about that aspect of it
2: yeah i'm not even a big dark crystal fan but the idea of jim henson um jim henson company making a big-budget Netflix series, a big-budget Netflix fantasy series using puppets. This is what Jim Henson, like, this is a Jim Henson promise fulfilled. I mean, I know he's most famous for the Muppets, but in the 80s, he was experimenting with the concepts of telling bigger, grander stories using these techniques, the idea of um, of, of almost like an animation medium, except that with puppets, you don't see people on screen. You don't need these puppets interacting with humans. And it is the kind of thing that, it's kind of the dream that died with him. So to see it returning on Netflix, you know, in this lavish series with such a big cast, even though I can't get behind Dark Crystal's nostalgic thing, it, that was never something I loved growing up. That alone, seeing that dream realized, is super cool, and that's for that reason alone. I think it should be on the list.
4: I agree. Actually, I was going to suggest this next before you suggested it because I have I didn't watch Dark Crystal either. But I was a big fan of the Labyrinth, and I just want as long as it has practical puppets and it like pays homage to what Jim Henson was trying to do with that medium. Um, I'm interested and yeah, the voice cast is excellent as well.
2: Ben and Chris, I want to hear from you. Is this something that we should p- pop in? And uh, I just like hearing everyone say practical
3: puppets over and over again. so I'm gonna'm <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna
2: I'm gonna vote for this. <laughs> yeah, I think it should be in there.
0: I think there's a lot uh, a lot larger um, margin of error for something like this than there was for uh, the Happy Time murders, which I think was like widely viewed as one of the la- the worst movies of last year. Um, that was another thing that the Henson Company was working on. So uh,
2: yeah, I think this this sounds like it will be a lot better. All right. We have 20 on the list, guys. You have five more slots. So, this is the point one I want to ask do we just put what we do in the shadows and wizards on, on the list?
1: I, I say yes. I, I say let's put the bolded, the, the three bolded. I say let's just put those on the list because I feel so, like there's passionate enough from people on here to so do the shadows.
2: We'll do in the shadows and wizards for sure. Top of the morning, I'm less sure about, but I'm willing to say yeah, let's do it. If, people, if everyone in here says yeah.
5: I think I think we can probably just cut top of the morning simply because we don't even know when Apple streaming service is going to debut, and that makes me feel like this show
2: isn't necessarily
5: going to come out before the end of the year.
4: Yeah, right. I'm fine with that too. All
2: right. Well, let's let's drop we're doing the shadows and wizards into our top twenty. Uh, now top twenty-two. I have one and, more that
4: I
1: want to bring up. I'm not, I, yeah. I, I think not everybody's going to be on board here, but I think it's worth talking about and telling, you know, our listeners about. And that is the Umbrella Academy. This is from Netflix. It's an adaptation of a popular comic book series. It's coming out on February 15th. And it's developed by Jeremy Slater, who some of us might know. So there is, you know, co- possible conflicts of interest. Um, there, uh, stars Ellen Page, Tom, uh, Hopper, uh, uh, Mary J. Blige, Robert Sheenan. Um, It's about a disbanded group of superheroes that have to reunite after their adopted father who trained them to save the world dies. Um, I am not a fan of this or I've not even read the comic book series. so I'm not going to say I'm not a fan. I just don't really have a knowledge of it. But I know a lot of people love this series. And, uh, you know, I love Ellen Page and Jeremy Slater has done some good stuff. Uh, So I wanted to mention it and see what you guys think.
2: I, th- I was going to go to bat for this, Peter. Uh, Jeremy Slater is an incredibly talented writer. So much of his work has been unproduced, and uh, it's a shame he's had his he's credited on the Fantastic Four reboot because his script was pretty much thrown out. But his uh, I don't know him personally. I know a lot of people who do. Um, but he's he's one of the, he's an incredibly prolific un, unmade writer. His screenplays I've uh, read are excellent, and more importantly, he uh, ran The Exorcist on Fox. A, a really really good show i was scary and expanded the mythology of that franchise in extremely interesting ways but nobody watched it It was like the least watch on tv like literally and it was canceled so the idea of him going to netflix him adapting a comic book that i also have not read uh but jeremy slater finally having the resources that i think he's been fighting for for his entire career that alone has me saying yes put it on the list but like I said, I don't know if that's enough. My exorcist fandom is enough to convince the rest of the table here.
5: Uh, the, uh, the trailer that they released uh, looked pretty cool. It, look, it looked stylish. Um, and I think that the premise is an interesting one. So I, I'm I'm down for putting it on the list.
4: Yeah, I don't feel strongly either way.
1: <laughs> yep. You know, one I'm surprised that like someone like Chris hasn't brought up um, is uh, now Apocalypse. This is the Star Series, March 10th. Um, it's from Greg Araki and Steven Soderbergh. like it, it feels like something Chris would be interested in.
3: Uh, I no? don't know. I don't I'm not not interested. I'm just I don't know. Like I'm what not go- wondering
2: I'm, um I'm not going I'm to exhausted,
3: bat. guys. I can't I can't. There's <laughs> there's so much TV. It's hard to it's hard to keep track of it.
2: A group of four friends living in LA embark on various exploits pursuing love, sex and fame. That synopsis is not thrilling to me. And I'm yeah, not that's, even, that's really yeah.
3: dull sounding. I mean, I love Soderbergh, but I need to – I haven't even watched that trailer that just dropped today, so I, I need to know, see more before I get excited about it. What about- I watched
4: the trailer, and it's appropriately very trippy and, like, kaleidoscopic and surreal, But and it has, like, the main character who has visions, essentially, of the apocalypse and believes that the end of the world is coming, but they may actually just be, like – drug dreams (laughs) so i don't know if it'll be anything more than just a millennial like romantic series along the lines of girls or master of none but with like a trippier bent um but yeah i i this one's is something that like the visuals are interesting but i don't know if it's enough to drive more interest than just like yeah it's soderbergh executive producing
0: guys what about mrs fletcher have you guys read the synopsis for this one Uh, Late Osman. Okay, so this comes from Tom Parada, uh, who did The Leftovers. Is that how you say his name? Parada? I think so. I think so. Okay. Uh, Catherine Hahn stars in the show, and that's like, I mean, you had me at Catherine Hahn, but... The synopsis is a divorced woman jumpstarts her love life by adopting a sexy new persona and discovers that her world is full of unexpected and sometimes complicated erotic possibilities. Catherine Hahn is a national treasure. And the fact that she's going to be on a show in HBO or on uh, on HBO this year uh, and like leading a show, I mean, just that alone, I feel like might be enough to get it on, you know, squeak into this list. But I don't know. I want to see what you guys think. I
2: have Catherine Hahn over most things on this list. Yeah, yeah I, I second that. Uh,
3: Catherine Hahn in
1: uh, an HBO show has my vote. So, yes, let's put that on the list. <laughs> See, my, my only worry about this is Tom Perotta was awesome with Leftovers. This is based on a book of his, but he doesn't have someone like Damon Lindelof alongside him this time around. So that that's the only thing that kind of worries me about this. But well, Maybe I, he I, learned
2: I, all he needed to learn, Peter. Maybe yeah. he
1: learned from Damon Lindelof. It was a master class. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think Mrs. Fletcher is a, is a dark horse rushing to our, into one of our last slots here, guys. That sounds really good. Okay, so we have two slots left. What are we passionate about here? We've we, we talked about Umbrella Academy, which Peter and I are both for, but people otherwise seem shaky. I think we can all write off Now Apocalypse because nobody was really willing to commit to that. Um, HT, can you do me a favor and pull up uh, City on a Hill and tell us about that real quick?
4: All right, City on a Hill. Um, So City on a Hill is a Showtime series created by Chuck McClain and executive produced by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. It stars Kevin Bacon and Aldous Hodge. In a show set in the early 1990s Boston, uh, rife with violent criminals emboldened by local law enforcement agencies in which corruption and racism was the norm. In this fictional account, assistant district attorney DeCoursey Ward, uh, played by Hodge, arrives from Brooklyn and forms an unlikely alliance with the corrupt yet venerated FBI veteran Jackie Rohr, played by Bacon. Together, they take on a family of armored car robbers from Charleston, uh, Charlestown in a case that grows to involve and ultimately subvert the entire criminal justice system of Boston.
2: So this, this sounds like the exact kind of thing. You've got to see Ben Affleck's name on as producer. Yeah, I was
4: about
3: to say. Uh,
1: it you it know, sounds, I, sounds promising. I, I, I put this on the list and I completely forgot about this, to be honest with you. I I think I would go to bat with this. I, I, I think, uh, you know, I love what Affleck and Damon have done in Boston and uh, you know, Kevin Bacon's great. Uh, it's has the promise, like, you know, I grew up in 1990s, you know, in a town, you know, 20 minutes from Boston. So I know kind of how it was there. And it's an interesting world. I mean, it's, it's changed a lot since then. So if they can kind of capture that in this, I think it could be it could be interesting.
2: Yeah, I'm going to bold it. you have two slots left? I want to discuss a few more before we start talking about what gets locked in for these final slots. I want to talk about and probably just delete Carnival Row. The new uh, amazon series coming from travis beecham who wrote pacific rim uh and, and it follows mythical creatures who have fled their war-torn homeland and gathered in the city as tensions are simmering between the citizens and the growing immigrant population at the center of the drama is the investigation to a string of unsolved murders which are eating away at whatever uneasy peace still exists the stars orlando bloom wait this isn't sound- that just fables yeah don't say it, it sounds promising it also sounds like fables so I'm okay just saying, like, yeah, maybe it's good, but it also sounds like the maybe fifth or sixth show that take fables as premise and just rip it off directly.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm interested in it. But, yeah, you're right. It is just kind of a copy.
2: Uh, Hannah, the the Amazon adaptation of the Sorcerer Ronan Cate Blanchett movie directed by Joe Wright from 2011? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Hannah is a really good movie, mm-hmm. and I think it's promised for a TV show here. Is anyone here excited enough for it to be in our top 25, though? If so, we can just bold it and move on. You've got to let me know
1: here. This is a movie about the young teenage assassin. I mean, uh, I, Eric Bana I, played her dad in the movie. I, I like the movie a lot, but I just have no interest in the series.
4: The movie is great. Um, I feel like it could potentially end up a good series, but I don't have a personal interest in it.
2: Hey, Brad, can you pull up the synopsis for Tuca and Birdie? One I think we should talk about real quick.
5: Uh, so this is just a short synopsis, but it um, this is an animated series. Uh, from the people who have worked on BoJack Horseman. And it follows two bird women, a carefree toucan and an anxious songbird, who live in the same apartment building and share their lives uh, together. And the two lead characters are voiced by Tiffany Haddish and Ali Wong. Uh, so these are two extremely popular uh, comedic forces. Ali Wong ha- um, has been quite popular thanks to her stand-up specials on Netflix. Tiffany Haddish is a huge comedy presence on the big screen right now, really all over the place. Um, and the fact that this comes from the creators of Bojack Horseman makes it sound uh, fairly enticing, but at the same time, haven't really seen anything uh, from this series yet, so it's hard to say, you know, whether this will follow really follow the same footsteps of Bojack Horseman and really be good, or, you know, it's uh, I- I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, I think the Bojack connection is really promising. I want to leave it bolded just for a few minutes because I think that could has potential to be very good. Jacob, I just found one more that
0: I didn't realize that I'm interested in, but I am <laughs> interested in it. So okay. I want to pitch it real quick. It's called Living With Yourself. It's, uh, it's coming out on Netflix. This stars Paul Rudd in two roles. He's playing two versions of the same character. So... Uh, the premise is, George Eliot is burned out and facing an impasse in both his personal and professional life. When he undergoes a novel treatment to become a better person, he finds he's been replaced by a new and improved George, revealing that his own worst enemy is himself. Told from multiple perspectives with inter- intersecting storylines, the philosophical comedy asks, do we really want to be better? Um Paul Rudd, I mean, another national treasure.
2: Um, I I don't know. <laughs> yes. Is that enough to to get it on the list? It is enough to bold it because because uh, these last two slots is going to be a knife fight. Uh, I think we're a few few things here, but let's bold it. And I think it should definitely be considered. Th- we th- can cut the. Lo-
1: I was going to well, say, there's I, another one that I think should be worth mentioning. I'm not sure it's going to make on the list, but it's called The Act. And this is from Hulu. It's going to come out in March. And uh, it is it stars Patricia Arquette, who uh, was just incredible in that uh, Escape from Dinamar. Um, Joey King, Chloe Saverne, and Anna Sophia Rob. And uh, this is basically the start of a true crime anthology series. And this is going to be the first season. So it's going to tell one story. If it, it, it is going to tell the story of Gypsy Blanchard, a girl trying to escape a toxic relationship she has with her overprotective mother. Her quest for independence opens a Pandora's box of secrets, one that ultimately leads to murder. Um, I, I mean, people are obsessed with this true crime thing right now. You know, it, it, in recent years, falling, you know, uh uh, making a murderer, and uh, I like that we're now in the the point where we're getting like these narrative recreations, like Dirty John and this. Um, but is is the cast here? I mean, Patricia Arquette, in in my mind, um, had the best female performance of last year in that TV show. Um, But is that enough to get us excited for a Hulu show? It sounds like every other true crime story. Yeah.
0: It sounds familiar because it's actually the same premise as mommy dead and dearest, which was an HBO documentary that came out either last year or the year before. It's like literally the same story, um, but just told with different actors.
2: It sounds like it could be good, but it's hard for me to be excited for another true crime uh, adaptation personally.
5: Um, Let's I would like to go to let's... bat real quick for one more show. Go for it. Um, I would like to throw Shrill into the ring. Uh, I still don't think that there's, um, you know, uh, just enough comedy on this list. And uh, this series is going to be a Hulu series, uh, six episodes starring Eddie Bryant, um, who is one of the better cast members on Saturday Night Live. It is executive produced by Lauren Michaels. And everyone knows Lauren Michaels, uh, is you know the, the mastermind behind Saturday Night Live, but some of the great comedies that he has executive produced in recent years include uh, A P Bio, The Underrated Detroiters on Comedy Central, Portlandia, Man Seeking Woman, uh, Documentary Now, and he's just he he knows comedy. Um, he, he's always been one of the, the biggest supporters, especially when it comes to cast members from SNL doing shows. Um, this has some some great talent behind it. Elizabeth Banks is producing it. Um, it's directed and executive produced by Jesse Peretz, who worked on Girls and Glow. Um, Carrie Brownstein from Portlandia is also directing an episode. And then the the plot of this series, for those who don't know, um, first of all, it's based on the book Shrill by Lindy West, which is a best-selling book. And it follows Aidy Bryant as Annie, described as a fat young woman who wants to change her life but not her body trying to make it as a journalist while juggling bad boyfriends, sick parents, and a perfectionist boss while the world around her deems her not good enough because of her weight. She starts to realize that she's as good as anyone else and acts on it. I feel like this movie can succeed where maybe a movie like I Feel Pretty didn't necessarily uh, firmly land its footing. And again, I think all of the talent behind and in front of the camera makes it something uh,
2: that could be a really good comedy series.
4: All right.
2: Let's look at that bolded for now. Because I think there's, um, I think there's three we can cut easily. Oh, sorry, HD. You want to? I wanted
4: something? to give a shout out to one more that um, I don't think will make the list, but I just wanted to uh, mention it, and that's Four weddings and a funeral. This is created by Mindy Kaling, and it's going to star Jessica Williams, and it's going to be inspired by the nineteen ninety four British rom com of the same name. Uh, star it stars uh, Williams as a young communications director for a New York senatorial campaign who go receives a wedding invitation from her college schoolmate living in London and she just travels there and reconnects with old friends and ends up forging relationships, um, going to having love having love affairs and of course going to three more weddings and a funeral. I absolutely love the original film that this is based off of starring Hugh Grant um, in his one of his early roles. it was absolutely charming um, and this kind of inverts it by having a female lead. Uh, I think Mindy Kaling is really talented um, writer, uh, TV creator, and uh, she has a genuine love for rom-coms that I think she could bring something new and interesting to this story. But I don't know if it'll make the top 25. I am intrigued by it. Not so much that I will probably like fight for it, but I just wanted to give a shout out to Four Weddings and a Funeral, which is going to be on Hulu.
2: Let's leave it bolded for now, because I think there's three we can cut immediately without any like any resistance, and that is the PBS adaptation of *The Miserable. Does anybody think this is top 25?
4: Nope.
1: Nope.
2: No. Nope. Uh, Ryan Murphy's The Politician, his first series for Netflix. I don't like Ryan Murphy's shows for the most part. I uh, Chris, I know you, you reviewed the last two seasons of American Crime Story, which is probably the best thing his name's been on. So would even you vouch for The Politician?
3: I mean, it has a really cool cast, but...
2: Uh, and it's I don't a know. comedy, right? Is it? I, I don't really. Oh, I don't God. a know. Ryan Murphy comedy is even worse than Ryan Murphy drama. No, thank you. I, I thought... feel like
3: those the American Crime Story shows are good because he doesn't have as much involvement with them as he does American Horror Story. So I'm going to say no.
4: Yeah. yeah, and his comedies are very hit or miss.
2: Yeah. Okay. Goodbye, the politician. i will be probably the most watched show in, the, in America when a Ryan Murphy show hits Netflix. But I can't get excited for it. All right, this may be controversial. I don't know yet. But I think if you removed Idris Elba from Turn Up Charlie and just said that premise out loud, people would groan and ignore it and never watch it. The yes, show, agree, is, it, yeah. show is. Yeah. about a um, bachelor DJ who's forced to be a manny, you know, and learns about being a fa- about fatherhood and being a man. No. It- <laughs> yeah.
3: Just the sorry. word manny is enough for me to say no to this. I don't you know really why Idris
4: Elba is in this series. I mean, other than him loving DJing, but.
2: Yeah. If you if you remove the Elba situation, because Elba is. Undeniably one of the best actors working today, and one of the sexiest actors working today. Take him out of here, and it sounds like CBS little trash. So I think we can remove Turn Up Charlie. And I think it sounds. And this doesn't sound bad, but is anyone here want to say Warrior belongs on top twenty five? The new show from Justin Lin for Cinemax.
4: Oh, actually, I am interested in this. This is the series that is based off of the idea by Bruce Lee, and it takes place in. Um... San Fran, uh, 1800 San Francisco, I think. Yes. And um, it's set in the Tong time of the Tong Wars and follows a martial arts prodigy who originates in China and moves to San Francisco um, and ends up becoming a hatchet man for the most powerful Tong in Chinatown. Um, yeah, I actually would be interested in um, including this in our top 25 because yeah. I think this is a an idea that was like long in the making Bruce Lee originally wanted to make this TV series I think or a film and uh, Justin Lin behind this is a um, good talent as well
1: you, you know everything about this sounds great except for Cinemax mm-hmm. they, they, they made yeah. the Nick
2: and the Nick is great so who knows okay I want to delete the passage that book is is pretty incredible but it's a it's a fox adaptation if the, the passage was on HBO I'd, I'd be I would have fought for it from square one. But the passage on Fox makes me think just no,
1: thank you. Let's remove it.
2: All right. And we and I want to vouch for the loudest voice in the room uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> What's this about guys uh, it's like the the
0: Roger Ailes story the guy who uh, basically turned Fox News into the Dominant cable news channel that it is now um, It just sounds like there is no way that I would first of all it's on but, it, but time. it
1: is Tom McCarthy and Jason Blum Right, Russell Crowe
0: Crow is in it and, and Naomi Watts and Sienna Miller. It has a good cast, but there's also a, a Roger Ailes movie that's in the works right now, too. And I'm just like, in, along with the inundation of political stuff that we're dealing with right now, there's just no way I would go out of my way to watch another uh, retelling of, you know, how the worst channel in
2: America came to power. I, I don't know. All right. I think it could be actually could be impressive. It could be well-made, but I think Ben's sentiment kind of leaks in the mind, which is I don't need to see how Fox became powerful. I don't need to see that right now.
1: Um, um, miracle agreed. Workers. Can we remove Miracle Workers?
2: That's a it TBS looks, comedy. It looks really promising, but yeah. I, I don't think it hangs with the rest of the bolded ones here.
1: Yeah, Daniel Radcliffe basically plays a low-level angel, and Steve Buscemi plays his boss, God. And uh, I don't know. It just seems... It seems like they're uh, trying to go for, like, maybe, like, a happy place kind of thing here. You a good place, place you mean?
4: <laughs> <Yeah>. you <really? laughs> or a good place.
1: Good place, sorry.
4: Anti-good place.
5: The, yeah. trailer, the trailers do make it look good, though. And I would also like to point out that this is another series that is uh, executive produced by Lauren Michaels.
2: And, and to be an anthology with each season being a different, you know, story uh, of some kind. I think the premise, which is that God's going to destroy the Earth unless Daniel you know, Reckless Angel can, like, uh, stop him by by, by f- finding two people to fall in love to prove that life is worth saving is actually a really fun premise. But I'm looking at everything else you have know, bolded around it on, on the last remnants of this list. And I think everything else in this list looks a little better.
4: Hmm. That does sound like a fun premise though. And Buscemi and Din Radcliffe is a pairing that I would not expect, but I feel like that would be fun. All right.
2: I'm going to leave it because I'm, I'm not hear enough passion for it. And who right. wants
1: to re-cre- uh, relive the 1987 box off or uh, uh, what call it? Stock market crash, Black Monday. Gee. I mean, that's exciting, uh, right? It's a Dom Cheadle starring in it. And that sounds and I actually think
3: that, that looks kind of. It could be good, uh, but I'm not going to like fight for it. But it kind of looks like it's in the same vein as, like, The Wolf of Wall Street, although not as good because Martin Scorsese is not directing it, but (laughs) it it, it has that same sort of, like, style to it.
2: The big, short 80s edition is what it looks like to me, so. Yeah. For for the record, uh, travel back to October 19th, 1987, a.k.a. Black Monday, the worst stock market crash in the history of Wall Street. To this day, no one knows who caused it until now. This is a story of how a group of outsiders took on the blue-blood Old Boys Club of Wall Street ended up crashing the world's largest financial system, a Lamborghini limousine and the glass ceiling. It could be good. It's a showtime show. I don't think it's in our top 25.
1: I'm with you. Yeah. All right.
2: Okay, we have two slots left in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight remaining titles to argue for for those final two slots. Okay, I'm just going to put this out there right away. I I know Peter put this one up there. I don't think
1: the act makes our top 25. That, that's totally fine. Yeah, else? I agree. Yeah.
4: yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, by the way, we can I, was also br- I was
1: bringing that up as like I don't think this is gonna make it. Oh. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> okay, never mind. There we go, done.
4: I think we can also cut four weddings and a funeral because that was also one that I was like, I probably won't make it, but just wanted to shout it out.
2: Does anyone uh, think that should be on there? I mean, I, I know Mindy Kaling is extremely talented, but even but I think rehashing that movie on Hulu is not something I'm, I'm excited about now. Maybe after it's out, it could be good, but right now. Uh, uh, what do you guys think? Anyone else behind me and H D have an opinion on this? I mean I could see it on the
1: list, but I don't I I don't have an opinion either way.
2: Yeah. All right. For reasons, the funeral, you are removed. Okay. The last of these ones I think are all ones that are I mean, I'm less sold on Shrill, but I think Brad's right. We should consider more comedies on this list. So
1: Wait, what if we Jacob, what if we do <laughs> where we go through the line of people that we have here? And each pe each person says two shows. And, yeah, it works for me. And we see what has the most votes.
2: Okay, let's start let's go with the rotation earlier. Uh, ben, what what two shows here would you want in on, on the last two slots? Um, Jeez, uh,
0: Living With Yourself and um, <laughs> I
5: guess The Umbrella Academy. All right. HT, what shows would you pick?
4: I'll probably go with Living With Yourself and Warrior.
5: And Brad. I'm going to go with Living With Yourself and Shrill. Uh Chris?
4: Uh,
3: I guess Tuca and Birdie, just because I really like Bojack Horseman. And, oh man, I don't, <laughs> I don't really care about any of these shows. Uh, The Umbrella Academy.
2: Okay. Uh, Peter, what do you pick? Uh, Umbrella Academy and Warrior. All right. I'll go with Living With Yourself. And it's a really tough call between Umbrella and Warrior, but I'm going to go with Umbrella... Okay, looking at this right now with the results, no one voted for City on a Hill. So we can just scrap that one, right, guys? Yeah.
5: I, mm-hmm. I just got a, a last-minute uh, telegram with some people voting for Shrill. <laughs> <laughs> uh, these are all some right. new slash from writers who were very, who wanted to make sure that they were heard. Um, so, yeah, Garf Rifkin and <laughs> <laughs> Jared Bartles uh, both want to put in a vote for Shrill.
2: Uh, all right. So, I think, we, I, and Brad, I, it looks like Shrill is going to have to go. I'm sorry, Brad. I know, I know you were excited for that one. Fine, whatever. <laughs> and Tuca and Birdie only got one vote as well. I think they could be promising, but let's strip it. All right. There's ones who got more than one vote. Living With Yourself, Umbrella Academy, overwhelmingly got more votes with four each. Warrior 2. Warrior sounds super promising, H T, but I think in the face of these votes, democracy may rule it out here. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Living With Yourself on Netflix and Umbrella Academy, oh, two, two Netflix shows, rounding out most anticipated television shows of 2019. Okay, hey, and ben,
1: what, how... what you won't see here is we're going to go back and we're going to actually rank these, right, or something? Yeah. Yeah, so
2: the list we have okay. so far, for people who listen to this all the time. Yeah. Ben, how we read? The, this is not ranked. This is just the order we, we placed them on here. But Ben, can you read our top ten? Yes, Watchmen, The Mandalorian, Devs,
0: Good Omens, Modern Love, I Am the Night, The Twilight Zone, Creep Show,
2: The Boys, and Why. Uh, HT, take 11 through 20.
4: Central Park 5, Fosse Verdon, The Righteous Gemstones, Lovecraft Country, Deadly Class, Too Old to Die Young, Russian Doll, Untitled Picard Spinoff, Cash 22, and The Dark Crystal Age of Resistance.
2: In the last five, what we do in the shadows, Wizards, Mrs. Fletcher, Living with Yourself, and The Umbrella Academy. Guys, that's some pretty good TV. We got we got a lot of TV to watch this year. <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, I'm wondering at the end of the year how many of these shows collectively we will have even dipped our toes into. Well, we should make a, we should
2: make an effort this year yeah. to have, make sure we let's do it. Let's try to make an effort this year to yeah. watch everything on this list, guys.
1: Because at least at least one of us cuz next year then we could do a top tv show so the, i don't know um, yeah so we're going to rank these off the air um, i you know uh, and you can re- you're going to be able to read this whole list on slashfilm.com ranked and with our uh, our little capsule uh thoughts on each of these um so look out for that the, Peter, uh, before
0: you wrap up i think it's really important to let people know where they can find the work of garf rifkin and jared bartles before we go though oh, uh, yeah
5: guys yeah they're working on a, uh, a new feature uh called <laughs> called man these movies jam um <laughs> and yeah it's it, just just keep an eye out for you you'll 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 love it when you see it yeah.
1: Yeah, they're also working on uh, s- uh, stream now or stre- uh, stream stream Wow, yeah are competing with Chris <laughs> with the streaming column. <laughs> um,
5: StreamWow sounds like some kind of new, like, cool cleaning, cleaning way to clean. up. ShamWow. Stream, yeah.
1: stream this now. Yeah, move move the front <laughs> word. Uh, well, you can find all of their work at slashfilm.com, and uh, this podcast, Slashfilm Daily, you can pu- uh, find published every weekday on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us you your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter at slash film.com. and please go to our itunes page give us five stars write a couple sentences tell your friends spread the word and we'll see you on monday